and a very happy Friday. This is a little bit different actually. So we often do the check roundup and you get to see one of our faces and what we thought actually, you know, the ears might also delight in a bit of news. So this week what we've decided to do is uh, do a first attempt at a Firetech Roundup podcast edition. Um, and what we'll be doing is the same thing, so we just run through the news that we had this week, but there'll be a little bit more commentary on the news that we found and kind of the response that we have to the news pieces that we're picking out. So the audience, um, you as the audience, get to kind of find out a little bit more about how we choose the news that we do and why we find it interesting. So the first one up this week was the public cloud um, infrastructure as a service increasing during the pandemic. Now, this was a study by Gartner and they've revealed that spend has gone up by 41% in 2020. Uh, the study showcased that Amazon remains the largest provider, followed closely by companies such as Microsoft and Alibaba. It's unsurprising, right? The increase is said to be due to the increased demand to migrate workloads as well as healthcare applications with AI-assisted bots, digital twins and manufacturing and e-commerce in retail. But what is super interesting here is actually for the first time in history, just before the pandemic hit, was the first time that cloud and um, on-prem spend were around the same. And whilst everyone predicted that cloud would overtake at some point, it's obviously accelerated far beyond what anyone thought. And actually what we're starting to see is that as demand begins to return to a more manageable pace, will companies actually start to reevaluate their move to the cloud um, or will spend only ever increase? And actually we are starting to see evidence of people re-evaluating um, what applications should be on the cloud if the cloud provider or platform that they opted for is actually the optimal one for the future of the business. So it'd be really interesting to see actually how this spend, um, the trend within the cloud spend uh, goes over the next kind of couple of years um, as we things start to settle after the pandemic. So number two, we have uh, Facebook reaching the $1 trillion valuation faster than any other company. Now, to put this into perspective, the likes of Microsoft took 33 years to get there, whereas Facebook took just 17. And actually, there's only a handful of people within this exclusive club. And you're looking at the likes here of Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet. Now, helping the company out was none other than the global pandemic, unsurprising, um, and this helped boost Facebook shares by 30% this year alone. Uh, there's no doubt that Facebook is a highly successful company. Um, however, once you've reached such heights, how is it that you're going to get your shares up as the effect of the pandemic begins to wear off and perhaps more people stop leaning on social platforms as a way of reaching out to people um, in terms of keeping themselves from being bored? It'll be interesting to see kind of what tactics Facebook reaches out to. Again, it could be a few more mergers. It could be looking into innovative technology to try and keep the relevance of Facebook alive. But it'd be interesting to see how they do that. So number three, a little bit controversial simply because our relationship with the EU at the moment is not at its best. However, the European Commission has allowed the flow of personal data from the EU to the UK to continue. And they're citing that the fact they want to promote the free flow of personal data globally and across borders, as well as to ensure smooth trade and effective fight against crime. So this is great news for the UK. It means we don't have to try and find alternative means of getting that data. However, the UK is still under the rule of law of the EU in the situation, um, in the sense that the Commission would intervene and has said it would intervene if the UK deviates from the current level of protection which is in place. Number four, did you know that the global honey industry was worth an estimated £6.5 billion in 2020, making the saviour of the humble honeybee all that more important. And actually what we're seeing here is a number of tech firms are leveraging software and data sharing to help them better understand the plight of the insects, making a significant shift from traditional beekeeping. 
The wireless in-hive sensors extract raw data points to monitor and record the health of all the bee colonies, and in doing so can help save more hives. Not only is this a great initiative for the environment, but as mentioned earlier, there is a significant commercial imperative behind the increased use of technology to both monitor and look after the bees, especially at a time when the coronavirus pandemic has focused minds on wider food supply issues. And then as number five, the Cabinet Office has increased its cyber spending by almost 500%. According to a Parliament Street think tank, they have spent over £270,000 on training courses covering ethical hacking, digital forensics and cybersecurity, compared to the 47000 spent on cyber training in the previous year. Now, we've all seen the rise in cybercrime over the past year. There's obviously been... Um, every opportunity for those clever enough with a laptop to break into those who are now more reliant on remote infrastructure and perhaps haven't been quite as hot on their security with other problems that they're having to fix during the pandemic. Um, But actually what we are seeing here is an investment in training staff and all things cybersecurity and that can really only be a good thing. I think it would also be wrong not to mention that LinkedIn's users' data was reportedly exposed. I think that's not the second time this year that's happened, where 700 million LinkedIn records, which were reportedly put up for sale on a hacker forum recently. This comes just after two months after a jaw dropping 500 million profiles from the network and site were put up for sale. Uh, that actually equates to 92% of all LinkedIn users. Um, so do check it, make sure your own data hasn't been shared. Uh, Details such as email addresses and phone numbers have been made visible with individuals uh, becoming a target of spam campaigns or worse still, victims of identity theft. LinkedIn has since released a statement denying the exposure of such records, saying that um, everything that's kind of been exposed is actually stuff that's already public. So they can't be, um, yeah, there's no evidence here of a data breach. Obviously, a lot of people disagree with that statement, but, you know, I'm sure that that is an argument we will see come to an end at some point soon in the news. The question is here, though, it doesn't seem to be stopping anyone using these social platforms. And are we becoming a little bit desensitized by these data hacks? You know, it almost seems every time they occur now, it's just so part and parcel of using these social channels that we don't seem to fear it anymore. What? Yes, I'm sure people would go and change their passwords, but it seems to be that we're becoming a little bit too desensitized to it. And I think that's becoming a problem. And last but not least, on the news front, machine learning startup DataRobot has reportedly raised $250 million on a $6 billion valuation. Now, the machine learning automation startup has um, raised this phenomenal value by offering a platform that uses AI to automate and accelerate what is called the intelligence revolution. The company's platform enables users to build custom AI models without writing code, with the company's algorithms looking at the data the user is looking to process, finding a neural network suitable for the task and then automatically fine-tuning it to boost performance. Again, this seems to only be a good thing and data robots seem to have tapped into an industry need. They claim that its platform simplifies development to the point that building a machine learning model becomes possible even for workers who don't know how to code. Now, what will be interesting to learn is if any listeners out there have actually been using data uh, robot and can validate this claim. Um, But good on them for kind of pushing for such a phenomenal valuation and again, tapping into an industry need and solving that problem um, of, again, people tackling AI in a far more straightforward way. Last but not least, a couple of ECS shout outs because, you know, it wouldn't be an ECS podcast without a few of those. So first things coming up, we have a CX dedicated webinar and this will be focusing on the contact center and peeling back the plasters on CX strategy one year on from the pandemic and all the frantic decisions that were made uh, during those initial months to help 
meet the needs and demands of customers as the whole world changed. We will be looking at the cracks beneath those quick fix remote infrastructure solutions that many companies adopted and just again reevaluating the solutions that people put in place to see actually do they have long term um, sustainability built in. We'd also like to have a huge congratulations to the ECS team for becoming finalists in three categories at this year's DevOps Excellence Awards, but also becoming winners of the best automation project. We are super proud of all the hard work and ingenuity that went into the projects and are thrilled to have secured industry recognition for the team's efforts. Um, just a very well done to everyone involved. That's all the news we have this week. I've been Ellie and um, I really hope you've enjoyed it and looking forward to catching up with you next week for more tech news. Take care.